Hi, and welcome to another episode of Redalk, where we dive deep into the reduce, reuse, recycle culture, and give you personal stories of people striving to live a sustainable lifestyle. My name is Matthias. I'm a Rethink Ambassador, and I will be the host of this podcast. Joining me today is Dr. Unsi Aldaif. Welcome, Professor. Thank you. Thank you. So you are a CEO at IDAMA, a co-founder of Jibal, and you're also a lecturer at Sorbonne. Is this correct? So indeed, I'm, um, I have co-founded IDAMA, which is a, a social enterprise based in the UAE six years ago. Before that, I was a physicist, a researcher. And then four years ago, I co-founded Jibal, that's an NGO that thrives for environmental justice in Lebanon. It's a local uh, Lebanese, uh, Lebanese NGO. And yes, I kept an academic part in my life through, uh, through teaching at Sorbonne University in Abu Dhabi. I see, that's lovely. So is Jibal like a, a younger sibling to Idama? Are they sort of related or are they, yeah. do they both focus? Yeah, so they both focus on the same things. Not the same exactly, you know. So although it's a social enterprise, still we sell and we deliver a bit more technical advice on the side of, of Idama. We allow ourselves to deliver fun activities when they contribute to give, uh, to raise awareness. Uh, whereas on the side of, of Jibal, it's funded projects. Usually it's long projects that are at, at least one year long. And they, they, um, they include research and uh, they include direct contact with uh, underprivileged parts of the population or topics that would usually not be sold. You know, it's difficult to sell uh, research on, the, let's say, the agricultural systems in a country. This needs to be funded by someone who has the public interest in mind. So that's, that's the difference. But definitely, we, there is a lot of uh, overlap and people very often work in, work in both. Okay, so you're with Jibal, you're basically targeting global communities and helping them reach the wider, the wider market because uh, without that, they wouldn't be able to. Uh, would that be the, the ideal case? Uh, so we're, we're reaching to the local community, yes. Uh, we don't really talk about markets. It's more related to, um, to, to supporting, on one hand, circular economy. So we, we have two main axes of work. One, one is uh, what we call food sovereignty. Sovereignty because we want that the whole food cycle is fair for people and environmentally sound. Um, so uh, we support the local ecosystem that can be through uh, training, coaching, or through doing research on understanding how it's presently going. Uh, a little bit of advocacy towards uh, international organizations or towards uh, public authorities. And we also have another access that's related to uh, education for environmental justice. So it's very important for us in, in, uh, in Jebel to link social justice and environmental sustainability. And that's what we call environmental justice. The environment is not only something that's outside of the humans and that humans impact. Uh, we are part of the environment and it's part of um, a socially fair uh, society to have um, a good and harmonious and rational uh, interaction with our environment and understand that we form a system with it. So uh, we try to develop educational programs, uh, either directly for the local community or for educational institutions that uh, foster, that advocate for this idea of environmental justice. Ah, I see. Okay, that's, that's perfect. And so for IDAMA, could you also give us a little bit of an overview? So in, in IDAMA, and IDAMA is, is, uh, is also in the UAE, actually started in the UAE. Uh, so that's a, an, an important difference as well. And we, we, don't, we do not get funded, which means that 
um, uh, the beneficiary and the payer are the same. So, uh, so we we sell uh, educational, uh, fun, um, technical uh, trainings and activities uh, that talk about sustainability, sustainability as in environmental sustainability. So you can come with us to have a let's say advanced tour of Masdar City, and then you will do your own. Uh, design of a sustainable city. You can uh, ask us to design, redesign. We work a lot with schools, but not only. But uh, so we have, for example, recently designed um, an, an, a sustainability classroom in a couple of schools. Um, so we, it's it's at the request of the school, um, and the school paid for that. But of course, the, the the objective is to have an impact on the students. So there is an impact, and impact is for us a priority. Uh, but we we ask the people to to um, who asked us for for that, of course, for for a price because knowledge and and, and work have um, uh, have have to be paid at uh, at some point. So we have those uh, this broad range broad range of activities. So we we're doing next week a team building activity. With the company, uh, the topic is planting, sustainable planting. How do you do that? How do you plant at home? I saw that you have a combined project with Idama and Jibal called the Khosun project. Sorry for my pronunciation. In the north of Lebanon, I saw that there you, I guess, combine both of the, that you just mentioned. That for Idama you provide the consultancy and the education, and for Jibal maybe you provide the resources, right? Uh, and it, it seemed to me that, that you're working there with the community to alleviate their waste crisis to maybe uh, learn, teach them how to, how to plant their own crops sustainably i suppose and uh, maybe some water retention nice you did you did your research thank you for that uh, yeah yeah so we work actually on a couple of pieces of land but this is the first one and the main one Rousson, um, where we indeed contribute um, we indeed contribute uh, with the group now um, it's it's often through people that we know because those those are quite uh, let's say, demanding projects, um, but with a group of people that can be landowners or that can be people who live there or that can be people who are interested by this place. Um, we try to redesign the place uh, in order to include in it, uh, I would call it holistic uh, sustainability. And that's often a concept that is referred to as permaculture. So permaculture is imitating nature in agriculture as well as in interacting with the, the, the surrounding environments. So we, of course, have uh, agroecology or, or, or sustainable farming, but also we take into account water, energy, waste, people, uh, uh, health, uh, beauty of the space. And we, and we try to have this space designed and implemented in the most holistically sustainable matter, manner. Um, and uh, to have people who are around um, either contribute or benefit or be able to use the space um, so they can be all uh, the way from active, um, proactive people there or uh, simply people who are consulted um, and um, and yeah, and give uh, and and give their opinions that are taken into account because they they are the people who live there. This is really uh, a model that I wish will be followed everywhere in the world. Uh, and what we're doing now is that we're trying to do it in a couple of places in order to serve as a model uh, for the rest. So uh, trying to show that you can combine everything. Uh, you can have a building that is well integrated in a 
in a, in a land, the land itself can be productive, but can also have biodiversity and can also have places where people can sit and, and spend a good time. So this integration of everything is really, for me, the, the definition, let's say, of environmental sustainability. And it's actually even a bit beyond its regeneration. So it's regenerative practices. We are allowing places to live again. The way we are trying to design uh, sustainable lands um, is uh, using one of the main principles of permaculture, which is uh, imitating the forest. Uh, the forest is the most robust ecosystem on this planet. Uh, a forest never dies, um, except if humans actually uh, attack it with their army of bulldozers, etc. But otherwise, a virus cannot kill a forest, a parasite cannot kill a forest, a sickness, uh, a type of animal, um, even fires cannot kill a forest because they regenerate themselves. So this idea of regenerative uh, practices is the one that we are trying to implement. Uh, and part of it, or let's say the, one of the main ingredients of it, is to have diversity. So even when we design a, a piece of land that has a house and a, a land around, uh, we take into account this diversity. So we have a wild place. We have, of, of course, a farming place. But even this farming is done through something that is called food forest. We also have humans in there. We have the house that, for example, brings water to the land. We have the energy that is opti as optimized as possible. So we try to have this, you know, diversity of elements in the land that brings it, um, yeah, it's, it's sustainability. And, um, and we're hoping to be able to replicate that model all around. I'm hoping to bring it to the UAE. Uh, it's, it's, it's still work in progress, but uh, yeah, I hope this will happen. No, that sounds lovely. I love the idea that you want to integrate all the different parts of the environment together to work in harmony. I think that's very, that's very important. You mentioned the permaculture, where you basically employ sustainable farming practices and water retention, and I guess also some tree planting because you mentioned the forest. That, that's perfect. For example, in the Czech Republic, one of the main issues that, that uh, we are facing right now is that there was an overuse, overexploitation of the fields, of the farms, and now they're their productivity, their productive potential decreased dramatically because they are exhausted. So there, there used to be some, some you know, calendars uh, focused around one year plan this, second year plan this. And I think this this goes well with the permaculture idea. Whereas now in today's society, I guess to meet the growing demand for resources, people just disregard these best practices and they just exploit the resources further and further. So that's great. Lovely. And so, so you mentioned that you, that you worked in several regions across the entire globe. Do you see any trends or perhaps some common um, ideas that the regions solve in the same way or perhaps differently? Are there, is there something like that? Do they all focus on the same problem Do they, or is it more dependent on the individual communities? Oh, yeah, that's, that's, uh, that's, that's, that's a very, very broad question. So, um, so we, we work mainly in Lebanon, the UAE, in two regions in each, so North and Beirut and Dubai and Abu Dhabi. Uh, and we do have interaction with other regions in the Middle East and in Europe, mostly thanks to our personal backgrounds in, in the two organizations. Um, but uh, to say that people who work in sustainability or regenerative practice um, have uh, similar methods, it's difficult to say. Uh, probably this community is so small so far that yeah, there is a lot of inspiration that naturally that naturally is transmitted. Uh, but on the other hand, um, the regions as regions, so so let's say this planet is made of a broad diversity, and at this stage, unfortunately, I think the main 
common point between all the peoples of the planet is the fact that we all consume too much and that we all consume blindly. And we have um, most of uh, us do not have really any idea of what the what it means to have a finite planet that cannot be exploited forever and that cannot host our waste forever. Um, there are growing communities, uh, slow food movements, uh, uh, environmentalists, uh, zero plastic, etc., that are growing all around. Uh, they tackle points individually. It's a start. Uh, on the other hand, I have to say that there are a lot of public policies that are starting to be implemented. But at this stage, I do not see any overwhelming wave of people who would like to uh, change their uh, way of life in order to live in harmony with uh, the environment. So, yeah, if I have to find a common point, it would not be a, posit a positive one, I'm afraid. That's unfortunate. But I, I'm glad that you mentioned that the smaller communities actually share their philosophies amongst each other, because that means that if you help uh, build a project in one community, then all the surrounding communities can then share, and this creates sort of a ripple effect. At least that sounds to be something a little bit positive, but there certainly is much more room for improvement. And in terms of the development over the years, um, would you say at least that people are getting more environmentally conscious because you said that people don't realize how much they consume, that they consume blindly. So would you say that it's getting, it's, uh, it's improving? So there is definitely a, a global evolution. Um, it's uh, helped, unfortunately, it's helped by the climate crisis that is becoming critical. Um, I'm a little bit afraid that we focus on the climate crisis and then uh, once this one is solved, if ever it's solved, we forget the other ones because the other ones are severe as well. I mean, the biodiversity loss is quite, uh, quite scary, actually. Um, but uh, definitely... Uh, we have to uh, confess or, or acknowledge that there is a growing conscience, understanding, awareness of uh, the fact that we belong to the environment and that we cannot just consider it as something um, external, external to protect. Protecting the environment is actually ensuring the survival of the human uh, race. And this is really uh, growing. Now, it grows very diversely because there is no unified global policy, you know. Uh, again, you can just see in the UAE, all the people we work with, you have people who focus on plastic, people who focus on paper, uh, people who focus on trees, people who, who, who focus on, uh, on cleanliness, people who focus on the electric uh, vehicles. It's, it's, it's quite diverse. It is growing. It is growing. People who are environmentally aware, let's say, are growing in number. That's great. That's some positive news, at, at least. And the, so you mentioned in the UAE, the electricity industry, and that's a great segue for us to move into your the second part of your expertise, which is physics. Specifically, I read uh, the photonics or solar energy, if I'm Indeed, correct. Yes. That's, that's your main specialty. Both yes. are correct. So yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I would like to ask you, um, would you say that technology or physics and spe specifically is something that can help combat the environmental issues? Uh, of course, of course. Yeah, yeah. you know, it's, it's always the same. Huh? So, uh, so all, all those. So technology is a tool. Uh, we actually have a training that we call uh, technology, innovation and sustainability, where we mainly conclude that technology is a tool. 
So uh, nuclear physics allowed us to uh, develop MRI as well as the nuclear bomb uh, and nuclear power plants. So it, technology is a tool. Uh, for sure, uh, technological uh, solutions or technological uh, ideas can uh, can help us uh, overcome um, the environmental crisis, all of them. Uh, for sure, they can help us make them worse as well. So uh, if we, for example, think that we can keep the same level of um, or the same way of transporting ourselves simply by switching from fuel-based uh, cars to electric vehicles, we are fooling ourselves. Um, the change towards renewable sources slash clean sources of energy um, should be accompanied by changes in our behaviors, in urban planning. So it doesn't make sense to uh, just think that we can continue growing our use of, um, of kilometers of moving around, our use of empty houses, our use of, of iPhones. We can just continue growing by changing a source of energy. Everything is finite on this planet, even the material that are needed to produce solar panels. So we cannot grow infinitely in terms of material consumption. We can grow happiness infinitely. We can grow well-being infinitely. Yes, this we can, but we have to rethink uh, some ways of living that we have. Now, when we switch towards electric car, this should be in, into a global movement of thinking rationally of our uh, mo daily movements. We should rethink the urban planning so people are next to their works, they live next to their job, so people are able to walk. We, could, we should think about the sidewalks with trees in order for, for people to be comfortable uh, and we should put some lighting so people feel safe and etc. You know, So it's, um, it's, it's, th there is no magical solution. Technology is a tool. Actually, scientific progress allows us to understand, for example, uh, companion planting, which is a technique used in permaculture. It's an ancient technique, but now that we now, now understand better. Uh, technology allows us to understand how we can use renewable sources of energy. However, technology also tells us, or science tells us, that to use, in order to use renewable sources of energy, we need the physical support. It's maybe a wind turbine, it's maybe a solar panel, and those are taken from our resources. So science gives us everything. Now it's then our choice how we use this everything. Yeah, and this brings us back to the idea of the holistic approach. So you cannot just solve or rely on one single thing to to to, to, to then think that it, it will solve everything. It's also important that people realize it and, and not use it as an excuse. But we mentioned the electric vehicles, we, we mentioned the solar energy. Is there a specific technology that you're particularly excited about that you think might offer the potential to sort of, uh, I, don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't want to say reverse or alleviate, but improve the, the situation that we are in? Uh, the main technology is, is honestly improving substantially. Our situation will come through uh, people. So people can be people's behaviors, people can be um, public policies and public laws, uh, but, but this is the key. Now, I understand your question, don't worry. So I, I will discuss a couple of technologies, but still none of them 
will solve our problems if we do not change our attitude and our behavior. And maybe this can go through laws and, and regulations. Probably education plays a very important role. Um, now, in terms of technology, um, well, the, 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 there are uh, there are the, there are several, let's say, uh, breakthrough that are that are potentially coming or ongoing. Um, the most impressive and, but also probably the most long-term one is a topic that you you got to know recently very well, which is fusion. That is certainly a disruption. So fusion is um, is a is a technology that allows us to create heat and therefore electricity um, with an extremely high efficiency uh, through a, a reaction that is similar to the one happening in the sun. Now, that would be a disruption, but even that one, I believe, should come with, uh, with behavioral change. Anyway, it's for, it's for the next century. So in the meantime, uh, the ongoing revolutions are, are more related to telecommunication. So telecommunication, through uh, the internet and through people communicating to, together. So you gather data, you can use that data. Of course, there are issues of transparency, etc. on one hand. And then on the other hand, uh, communication allows us to, to, to become more efficient. So uh, you, you can have renewable energy sources as well as cons um, consumers of energy uh, be all uh, in communication together and uh, uh, synchronize the production, the consumption, at what time you need to be more efficient and etc. And so this is all thanks to the fact that we are interconnected. Uh, now, of course, this is all uh, suspended or this is all uh, potentially at risk of a global um, bug or freeze or shutdown of the, of the internet. But, uh, but still, this, this telecommunication revolution that we are in is definitely um, a potentially very powerful tool. Uh, it allows us to come to uh, to synchronize uh, all our uh, consumption and production behaviors uh, together through, um, uh, let's say, a software, a computer, or even artificial intelligence. Um, it allows us as well to know uh, what what is uh, the global uh, the global the global situation. And so, yeah, it can uh, it can be a, um, an important uh, tool. Um, in this frame, um, an, an explosion or an extreme uh, increase of the capacity that we have to treat data and understand data, and etc. Um, so to, um, to to do algorithms uh, can be uh, brought by quantum computing. Uh, quantum mechanics, so experimental quantum mechanics is a field that has been in quite rapid progress in the past, let's say, 20, 25 years. Quantum computing is um, reaching progressively maturity. I do think it will take some more time, but we already have some um, people and even companies that claim uh, that they have something like a quantum computer where uh, data can be treated in, a, in, an, in an innovative and, and revolutionary way. And given that we are in the era of big data, this definitely, this definitely plays a role. To maybe just to conclude about that, uh, in, in, in terms of, of social uh, impacts, uh, all what I'm saying has had an impact that's interesting, I believe, and that is, you know, the development of the sharing economy. So the fact that you don't buy uh, good anymore, but you buy a service. So you don't, uh, let's say, buy a car, you buy the usage of a car. So you use the car of someone else. 
and it can be the case for uh, a dress, a suit, uh, anything. You can even, I guess, uh, I'm guessing you can rent uh, an animal or yeah. So, um, so this was brought by um, uh, the development of internet, uh, the, the and and the telecom revolution. And this is interesting because it takes us a little bit away from this idea that owning more is good, uh, which was really the catastrophe um, that we are in. Because the fact that we loved consumer goods, we loved changing our phone every year, um, everything is programmed to be obsolete very soon. And we are pumping into those resources that the earth uh, has at a gigantic uh, irrational rate. So we might be going a little bit away from that with the sharing economy. I find it an interesting um, development that some of my colleagues in, in IDAMA um, have been uh, have been studying and, and, and focusing on. Uh, it's it's difficult to know if uh, what's what's the impact so far because of course in even if you're renting the car you're still using an app to rent it and the app needs some resources. So we don't know yet uh, the, the 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 actual impact, but it's an interesting trend. Just the fact that people are moving away from owning for me is already a success. Yeah, I completely agree that the sharing economy provides a little bit of an uh, of a support or alleviation to not exploit so many resources on, on the of the earth. I'm also glad that you mentioned the quantum computing because with the rise of all the AI solutions and everything which are promised to increase our efficiency, therefore alleviate some of our environmental concerns, that's great, but all of that requires energy and a huge amount of energy because as you mentioned, the big data, right? And quantum computing might step in there to actually help help with these with these demands yeah how unfortunately we are running a little bit low on time so i'd like to ask you two final questions the the first one being if you were to give a piece of advice to to our listeners or to people in terms of how to live more sustainably um what would that be some simple life hack or or habit change so, you know, to be honest, I could give now 10, 20, 40, 50 uh, advice, but, but the, general, uh, the general rule is uh, move away from accumulation of goods. Stop having uh, this, you know, love-hate relationship with, uh, with our phone, with our objects, and just go through experience, spending time with people we love, can be much more rewarding than watching a 3D movie with four screens in front of us. Um, spending time doing something, I don't know, farming can be much more rewarding than going to compare the last uh, um, uh, cars. It does not mean don't use technology, use technology, of course, but just rethink your relationship with objects. You will be much cooler, much quieter, much calmer, and probably, probably much happier. So buy less and enjoy more. This could be the rule of thumb, let's say. I love that. That's, that's a great motto. So any final call to action? Uh, anything you would like to add? No, well, that's, that's would already be a great, a great action. But then, uh, yeah, in the, in the daily life, we are, we are talking about, uh, you know, don't use disposable, think about what you're doing, uh, understand your impact, uh, don't use a, a big piece of metal that's called a car to move around for 20 meters, whereas you could walk and enjoy your life. Um, yeah, there, there, there is no specific action. It's really a bunch of actions uh, that, can make, uh, that can make the difference. 
and and I include <clears throat> sorry I include there the professional life so uh, don't make the difference between what you do in the evening with your friends and family and what you do during the day at work if you're an urban planner at the municipality also think about those principles allowing people to walk uh, allowing people to build buildings that are efficient uh, not pushing people to consume more maybe not allowing um, uh, uh, practices that, that, that push for uh, irrational and environmentally unfriendly consumption. Uh, you can be an engineer, you can be a laborer on a, on a, on a construction site, you, you can be an educator. In, in all of your jobs, you interact with those concepts, consumption, waste, etc. So think about them and try to, try to somehow challenge them. In other words, everyone, anyone yeah, can, can contribute to the improvement of the planet and alleviation yes, of something. anyone and at every minute of the life. Mm -hmm. 100%. Yes. Great. Thank you so much, Unsi. It was a pleasure talking with you today. And thank you so much for taking the time. Thanks to you. Thanks to you, Matthias.